Thank you, and welcome to this teaching from Today Evangelical Ministries. Today Evangelical Ministries is dedicated to teaching the undiluted truth of God's Word. Here is Dr. Emeka Ozrumba as he brings today's teaching. May the Lord bless you as you listen. We worship you and bow before you and say, be exalted, not only now but forevermore. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Certainly, we are to thank our God. But there's something we need to mention before we go into <clears throat> what the Lord will teach us. And dealing with questions, it's amazing the testimony that came. We cannot even wish we recorded it and people can hear exactly what God is doing. It's not man. He's the one reaching out and drawing his own and turning them to himself. He said, Behold, I looked down from heaven. I saw no intercessor. And I wondered why. Then my right hand I stretched out that I may save those who are mine. Why would God do something like that? Because he's ready to do whatever it takes to make sure that we don't perish. That's the most important thing. And that's the important thing that every parent on this earth has. I don't want my children to perish. That's why God cannot stand it if anyone causes anyone to perish. So I just want to make sure that we wish our wonderful friends and brothers all over the world online and here happy Easter. We don't normally people just worry and say, Well, you guys don't you don't do much, you don't celebrate this, you don't celebrate that Easter. Because we celebrate Christ every second in our heart. You have to live and be one with him. Someone was sharing here and saying, was telling people, said, it's not about not abstaining from eating meat for one day, whatever that means. And it's not about this special or that one or whatever it is. But it's about eating his flesh and drinking his blood every day. In other words, every word of his becomes yours. That's what it means to celebrate Christ. When you celebrate Christ, that means even as the song came, then our reward will be giving him glory. Walking in a way that people would behold any time when they behold it, they give God all the glory. So let us, all those who love God, begin to eat his flesh, and drink his blood every day. You will know and you will see. You will never trust. You will never be hung anymore. You will not worry about what they are going to eat anymore because that is the food that's all about food. Can you read me John 6, 53 to 54, 5, please? John 6, 53 to 54. Yeah, just, yeah. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, yes. unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have no what? Life in you. So we can celebrate whatever we want to celebrate and bring here and cry all over. As long as Christ is not in us, we have no life. We are celebrating in vain. So that is the, that's the key thing we are looking into here. Life of Christ in us, being one with him in every situation, then obviously we shall see him. But let us look at the questions. That is before, we just want people to know this is how we hold this our God. It's not with our mouth. It's not like celebrating like the old people of the world celebrate. It's like celebrating in spirit and in truth. In doing that which I told us to do. And not for one season, but being instant in season and what? At of season. Every time be ready for him. At least if anyone said, what is going on? He said, I am still here praising and glorifying and blessing my king. Every second of my life. So we have, let's deal with this very quickly. Some questions that came, and 
God, has, God is so wonderful. So let's pay attention and see if we can. And everybody's going to help to answer this thing if you have. Yes, number one. Number one. Mm-hmm. What is the distinction between called and chosen? What is the distinction between called and chosen? What is distinction? The difference. What separates these two? Can anybody answer me? What separates the two? Everybody is called. Okay. Every, everybody is called, but few are what? Chosen. But is everybody called? Huh? God bless you. No, 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 no. Because he said, he said many are called. It is everybody. Okay, whatever it is anyway, let's say, even say everybody is okay. Let's leave it that way because everybody has an opportunity. But say, many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. But why is one chosen and one is called? Okay, let's stop right there. God bless you. Let all of us, let us share. Being called is like, let's say for instance, for anything on this earth. Let's say on this earth, anything. You are called to make application to go to university. You apply. Two things may happen. What is it? You can accept you or what? Reject you. But in that rejection, they can reject you or you reject yourself. Everybody looking at me. You mean you can't reject yourself? If you don't meet the criteria, they have rejected. What about if you apply and you turn you come back and say, I don't want to pursue that thing anymore? Have you not knocked yourself out? That's, that's one. Okay, how about this? You go ahead and get into the school. And then you don't graduate. What has happened? You didn't go? Yeah, I know you didn't finish the process, but it's worse than that. It would have been better. To start. God bless you. It would have been better if you did not start. That's one thing of all of us. It would have been better that he did not start. That he started running and he didn't get to the end. He will not do anyone any good. What is called? Many are called, but few are chosen. Now the Bible tells us that one, those who are called, who are those who will answer the call? First of all, let's get uh, this. Let's make it quick. Who are those who answer the call? Those who have heard and learned from who? The Father. But having learned and heard from the Father is not enough. Right? So, what's the difference between called and chosen then? I'm helping. You follow through? There are people who have heard and learned from the Father. And for that, they come. Right? But those who are chosen are those who will to do what? God bless you. That's what you see. Everything. Those who will to do his will. The Bible says, John, please, 6, 44, 45. John 6, 44 to 45. Yes. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Mm -hmm. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets... And they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. They come to me. Those who have heard and learned from the Father come to me. But it tells us also that they may come. But those only those. Read me please John 7, 17. John 7, 17. Yes. If anyone wills to do his will, Mm -hmm. he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. If anyone wills to do his will, I'm called, as I have answered. If I'm not prepared to do his will, that means what? Oh, people help me. Remember he said, anyone who has heard and learned from my father comes to me. But if I'm not willing to do his will, have I heard from the Father? Spiritually. I have not heard. Because the word, of God, the word of God tells us that it's not on those who the hearers only, 
but what? The doers of the word will be, will be chosen. So let's, let's put this in, because for the two questions, God will help us to, to, to finish on time. So then, we say that the purpose of our calling is what? You know, we've been saying this all along for the longest time, right? To be conformed to his image. So, what is conforming to his image? Okay, sorry. Let's read me, read me Romans 8, 28 to 29, please. Romans 8, 28 to 29. Yes. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He predestined them that they may be conformed to the image of the son. But then those who he predestined, he did, he did, he did what? He what? Go on. Okay. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, yes. whom he predestined, these he also called. Mm. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So can you tell me the difference between the purpose of our calling and the whole purpose of our calling? God bless you, Pastor Charles. See, we are coming to be that the difference now is chosen. Look, I'm called to conform to the image of the Son. And then, it's not enough from what he's telling us until you are glorified. Until you reach glorification. You do the things. But how does one reach glorification? No, I know that. God bless you. What's what? When you, okay, I, you guys were right, but I wanted to get when you finish what? Everything, or you want to say all. Everything that is given to you, and they wouldn't come to it right now. Everything is given to you to do to the end. Yes, to get to the end, you have to, but you have to finish everything. Remember, the only begotten son said, I have finished everything you've given to me to do, right? So now, can you, anybody then tell me what is the definition of transformation? We said, a hold, the duty is to be transformed into the image of Christ. What is transformation? It's becoming like him. Okay? Now, can anybody tell me this, please? Let's, let's get it. Okay. Make sure we get all this, and then you, you see where, where God is landing everything. What is the heart of transformation? If I say I'm transformed, what is the main heart of transformation? <laughs> she going to try and God bless you. What is the main heart of transformation? Oh my God, but then it was just kind of shining away. That Total transformation requires total what? Substitution. You know, we usually, usually in law, when you substitute one thing, the other, when actually someone's will has now become your own will, and your own will is substituted, that's when you can say you have transformation. Now, let's, let's put it this way. Someone is recruited to the military, right? He does not really become a soldier until what? Remember, he's a recruit. Until what? Until he finishes training. Why is he being trained? They are training him to be totally to be transformed into the image of the recruiter. That is who over the military. Okay? So that a military soldier, a soldier has totally lost his own will. Are we, are we together? You see, a soldier has not lost it to the world. Without it, he will be distracted when he goes to war. All I do is to do the will of my father. So let us make it before I ask this question and let's get to what is being chosen. Okay? Christ said this. And Christ gave us an example. 
Believe me, God is so wonderful in making sure we understand what he's talking about. That when you talk about transformation, it's not complete until it is total. It's not a question of, I obey you, I do everything, and you leave the other one, it is still partial. Are we together here? There's something which Christ told us. It is one thing being one with my father. But the only way to complete that oneness is what? I know, total submission is the way you be one with him. The only way I can really complete this very oneness is what? Whatever the works of my father, whatever he has sent me to do, the commission, the mandate he has asked me to do, I completed that. So he came along and Paul told us the same thing. Please, everyone understand that. That's the difference between what? Called and their chosen. Okay? Christ said to, to us, he said, whatever my father tells me to do, I have no will of mine. Read me please John 5, 19. John 5, 19. Right. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. In other words, the Son does not have a will of his own. Are we, are we there? Then read me please, John 6, 38, 39. John six thirty-eight and 39. Yes. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Mm -hmm. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. That is the will of the Father, that's what I've come to do. So if you look at these two things talking about right now, whatever my Father tells me to do, I do it. But then, of all this given to me, I must fulfill that mandate. That's why Christ said, read me please, John 17, 48. John 17, 4 to 8. Yes. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Mm -hmm. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. Yes. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, mm -hmm. and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. So there are two things here. Number one, being one with the Father through implicit obedience. But obedience is not complete until you do. He said, I have what? Given them the words which you have given to me. In other words, I make sure that they did not perish. That's why he told us. Give me verse 12, please. And Paul repeated the same thing. It's amazing. John 17, verse 12. Yes. While I was with them in the world, I gave them, I kept them in your name. Mm -hmm. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. So if this was actually what Christ did, and Christ was living and told us to do what? Like what? Likewise. What is likewise then? So, in other words, what I'm saying to God is, what is the commandment of Jesus Christ? No. There are two. To be, God bless. You see, let's start from there. That foundation, to be with him, why? Why was Christ one with the Father? What are you, I know that. Why was it necessary, okay, let me change it. Why was it necessary for Christ to be one with the Father? That's the only way, because without the Father. That's the same thing Jesus Christ told us. Abide in me, and abide in you, because that's the first thing. That's the first thing. If we don't accomplish that, you cannot accomplish the second one, which is being chosen to do what it tells you to do. Abide in me, read me please. Okay, John 15, 46. John 15, 46. Yes. 
Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Mm-hmm. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can, you can do nothing. Do nothing. Yes, if, go on. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. So the first, the first step of transformation is to be one with him. Right? Yes. But there, that's not enough. You have to accomplish also his commission. If you want to, what? Obey all his commandments. And look, look, look at Paul. Paul is saying us the same thing. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he said, what? I am crucified with Christ. No, that was, okay, go on. He said, I, no, I am, I have, Galatians 2.20. Yes. I have been crucified with Christ. Yes. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Mm-hmm. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is saying, I have become one with Jesus Christ by following and obeying him. But yet, he told us that it's not enough. He also testified that it wasn't enough. I want everybody to know that. I'm one with him in whatever he's doing. To be one with him, he cannot be one with him just because, okay, he told me not to steal. I'm not stealing. He told me not to commit murder. I'm not committing murder. He told me not adultery. No, if you want to be one with him, you have to fulfill whatever his commission and mandate is. So Paul goes further. I want everybody to know. God, bear, bear me witness, Lord. In fact, he told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.7. 2 Timothy 4, 7. Yes. I have fought the good fight. Mm-hmm. I have finished the race. I have, finished I the have race. kept the faith. I have kept the faith. But how? Look at us, my apostle. After all these things, Paul was saying, there is nothing left anymore of Paul. This Paul you are seeing is Christ. Because I walk the one with him. But he still tells us, that's not enough. Like Christ said, it wasn't enough. Father, I did what did all that, but yet I made sure I did not lose anyone. I made sure their word was taught and told everybody so that nobody will perish. You see, I've accomplished one thing, their will. And I've also accomplished their ultimate will. What am, I saying? what am I saying will and ultimate will? What is the will of God? No. I I I, I we should be what? God bless you. Where is that, Pastor Josh? No. The will of God is that we obey all his commandments. Okay? Let's put it that way. Give me a first jump. First jump. The will of God. Give me first jump, five, three. First John 5.3 For this is the love of God, mm-hmm. that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdened. That's the will of God. The ultimate will is that nobody, whatever you do, you cannot do anything without me. And for you to do something with me, because two cannot work together, except they're in agreement. Therefore, you must Walk as I walk. You must be perfect as I am. You must be, that's all in the Bible. You must be blameless as I am, holy as I am, and righteous. Then the two of us can, and with that, you can achieve something. However, I'm sending you out. I'm choosing you for this one purpose. Go and bear fruit for me. Paul said, let me ask for Apostle 20. It's amazing. It, it, that's, it's, uh, let me 19 to 27, please. Acts chapter 20, verses 19 to 27. Yes, ma'am. Serving the Lord with all humility. Serving the Lord with all humility, yes. With many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful. That is, please, my people, listen to me. Pastor was standing there crying. How I left nothing. 
I like what I put. This is the truth of the word of God. Come what may. You never know. Not everybody is going to buy it. But those of God, they will listen. But at least you can come to God like Paul is saying. I didn't keep anything away from anybody. I didn't shy away because I wanted people to love me or to talk to them so that they can be pleased. But I told them the truth because I know one thing. At the end, I'm going to give an account to you for what you're going to be saying. How I kept back nothing. That was helpful. Yes, yes. But proclaimed it to you mm-hmm. and taught you publicly and, and from house to house. house. You see, go on. Testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Look Christ. At, that's, it's not exactly what Christ told his apostles to do. Go to the world and ask them to repent and turn. My doctrine, the way of the Lord, going. So, go on, yes? And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, mm-hmm. except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, Try. nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. Oh boy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Mm, go on. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourself. It's okay, it's okay. God bless you. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Because the truth, you presented it to them the way Christ did. That's what he sent us to do. So what am I saying in this situation? That you, it's not the same thing that happened to the rich young man. The rich young man actually thought he was transformed. To the image of God. You remember? He said, I have obeyed all the commandments. He said, I don't like anything. Do I like anything? And Christ said, you know, you have not fulfilled fruitfulness. You, look, go ahead and do this one and follow me. Let us go ahead and win souls for the kingdom. And he, he couldn't do it. And that was it from there. So that's the difference. I'm chosen to do something. That's why Christ told us. And it's so specific also in the scripture. How and what it means to be chosen. Give me Mark, please, 3, 13 to 14. Mark 3, 13 to 14. Yes. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach. That they might be with him, to know him, to become him, to know his ways, and to follow him. And then, to go and bear fruit. Read me John 15, 16, please. John 15, 16. Yes. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. So unless we fulfill that appointment, as an appointment, I chose you. Be with me and know what I'm doing and so on. But you are appointed, commissioned, to go and fulfill the ultimate will of my Father. That's the difference between somebody who says, I'm called. But if you look at this thing, even the summary of it, can only be given to you. When we were in Kenya, it came up. Pastor Charles came and we've been hammering on that for, for weeks now. The parable of the soil. If you see that, it's the same thing. There are people who are called. And they, maybe they are distracted because of the things of this world. But they want to read, read that again, please. Look, 8. Can you read from 11 to 15? Luke 8, 11 oh, 13 to 15. Let's not worry about that. Go on. Luke 8, 13 to 15. Yes. 
But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Who are these ones? They were called and they answered, right? And ended there. Because the moment the things of this world come, they said, ah, no, I can't go any further. That's the difference. They didn't answer that. They, they thought they answered the call, but they didn't answer it because until you fulfill the purpose. So now, let me ask you this. What is the distinction? Please read in this. Verse 14. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Mm-hmm. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, Having heard the word with a noble and good heart, mm-hmm. keep it they and keep bear fruit with patience. They get transformed into his image and bear fruit. So what is the difference between call and chosen? It's true. But then let me tell you this. There's no one who says he's called until he fulfills everything. Otherwise, he's going, he's going to be rejected. So let us forget about Everybody think about it that Look, the Lord has chosen me to do his work, and that work is to be transformed into his image and go and bear fruit. Because any other thing is not going to get there. Are we, are we all together? The second one, God bless you. Okay. Question two. Would you kindly enumerate those specific sins unto death? Would you kindly enumerate? What is enumerate? This person is asking me to ascertain. No, 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 no. Would you kindly to eliminate is to ascertain, right? What, point by point. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Point by point. Specific point by point. What are the sins that are not unto death? Now, one thing I will say is this, the way this question was framed. I will say that, number one, you go to God and ask him the specific to enumerate, okay? In this place, in this place, we do not manufacture anything. We do not give any answer that will please people. We do not come up with any guess. Whatever we deal with is what God has already what? Given to us. Because that which is written is what? It's written. And that's what we can on. We cannot come here and I cannot come here and say, Oh, you know, this kind of sin. I don't like the way it is. Maybe God this this sin cannot be forgiven. That's not at all what, what is what what is actually involved. Sin against now, it said unto sins unto death. That's exactly what we had when we had what? First John five seventeen. First John 5, 17. Mm-hmm. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. So there's a sin that's leading to death. That's what this person is asking for. Yeah. What is sin that's leading to death? Let's use another, another word. Would that be called unforgiveness? Unforgivable sin. We are talking about sin that one commits and it brings instant what? Judgment. And brings instant judgment. And Paul also tried to shed a light even brighter for us to see exactly what he's talking about. And I thank God for this. I thank God for this. Because most of us have now Complacency have totally killed many of us because we believe that any time, any moment, oh, we can change and God will accept us no matter whatever we do. This is not what we believe. God will accept us no matter whatever happened. And the wise preacher was telling us the reason for that is because everybody thinks God's judgment 
is what? Delayed. Read it, please. Ecclesiastes 8. 11 to 13. Ecclesiastes 8, 11 to 13. Yes. Because the sentence against an evil walk is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Mm. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged, yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before him. Mm. But it will not be well with the wicked. Now will he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, shadow. Because he does not fear before God. Because he does not fear before God. And Paul was telling us in 1 Timothy 5. 24 to 25, right? 1 Timothy 5, 24 to 25. Yes. Some men's sins are clearly evident. This is, this, this, this is clearer. Go on, yes. Preceding them to judgment. There are some sins we commit. Instant judgment. Before even the person dies. Remember the Bible said in Hebrew 9.27. It's appointed unto men to die once. Then the judgment will follow. But this is telling us. There are some sins that the judgment is instant. And they will precede physical death. So when God is talking about life and death. He's talking about spiritual because he told us what in John six sixty three that this that God is spirit and his word is spirit and also life. So Paul is saying some main sins are clearly evident. It's so clearly evident in heaven, preceding them to judgment. But those of, of some men follow, follow later. Later. What does that mean that follows some men? Can you give me a summary of what he's talking about sin then? If I'm reading this thing, this right here, some main sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment. But those of some men follow later. So what is sin? What does sin lead to? It doesn't make a difference. Are we together now? Sin will lead to death. But we're telling it's the scary thing for me is that they're saying there are sins you commit, God will never forgive. That's scary. Some people may tell you, oh, don't worry about it, God. But he's telling us that. That there's some things you commit. And God will not forgive. That immediately, the judgment is there. Likewise, go 25. Verse 25, 1 Timothy 5. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident. And those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. And those that are otherwise, they cannot be hidden. The wages of sin is death. They cannot be hidden. So what are the... Let us look at this from the Bible and the scripture. I can only say three areas where somebody... If, you, if the person offends or sin, God says it's an instant death. Let us look at it. People can come up with all sorts of things. There's cardinal sin, this, this, and that. That's not, I'm looking, let's look at the Bible and see what God said concerning the certain things he cannot forgive, no matter whatever anyone does. What is the first one? Let us all share it there. What is the first one? The sin. He says the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. What is the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? That's where Wahala is. No. I understand. Okay, let's stop. Read me Matthew 12. And 30 to 32. Matthew 12, 30 to 32. Yes. He who is not with me is against me. Yes. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Mm -hmm. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Now, what is a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? 
<laughs> what is the sin against the Holy Spirit? But even the things we read, he told us there. How close? Oh, no, don't worry about that, Brother Oti. What is the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? If you read that, we'll go, go to it now. Any, any, any rejection of Christ. My people, listen to me. Remember, the, the scripture started. 30, read that. Verse 30 again. He who is not with me. That's where all this is started. Is against me. Is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Whoever rejects Christ does not have life. Are you looking at me? Okay, read First John 5 to 12. 1 John 4. 5. No, 5. 1 John 5. 12. 12. Okay, First John 5, 12. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. You know what? Whoever rejects Christ. Remember what actually the Pharisees did until today. When you read, the scripture is flowing. That's the scripture they are telling you before he got into any sin against the Holy Spirit. He said, he said, he said what? Whoever is not with me is against me. But take a look at it this way. Anyone who rejects Christ is a sin against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Why? Because the person does not have life and will not have life. As long as the person rejects Christ. Right? Why? Because if you look at John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and what? Everybody, please. That no man ever comes to the Father but what? So if I reject Christ, it's not over. God bless you. Because the Bible also told us in Acts of Apostles 4.12, it says there is no other salvation given unto men whereby anybody can be saved except that of Christ. So if one rejects Christ, he has no life in him. No, he said anybody who says, if you say whatever you want to say, okay, there are so many things we do in blaspheming Christ. Okay? There are so many things we do, even in cursing him. But rejecting him outrightly, I don't want you, there's no life in it. This is the same reason why he said, read me John, please, 2. 22 to 23. John 2, 22 to 23. Yes. No, let, let's stop right there. But I see, when Christ, when this came up, what was happening? Remember the Pharisees were saying that Jesus Christ was... Yes. What did they do? Was he not rejecting Christ? They were not only... They didn't only reject, but they were all trying everything to destroy whatever he was trying, was trying to do. That's why he came and said, whoever is not with me is against me. You see? So it wasn't like maybe anything. They were opposed to the Spirit of God. Then First John 2.20 is it first John or John? Hmm? First John. Oh, first John 2, 20. 22 to 23. I don't know why I told you again. First John 2, 22 to 23. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. So whoever denies him denies the Father and the Son. Go on. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So whoever denies the Son has blasphemed the Holy Spirit because there is no way anything can have life over there. Are we, are we all together? Are we all together? That's what came there. The second one was what? Anybody? Hmm? Didn't... Hmm? We come to that. That, that's turning away from the truth after you have known the truth or should have known the truth. Okay? If you turn away from that, then obviously there is no more that is left. That's why the Bible says that Christ was telling us one thing. He said, 
in John 15, 22, he said, look, if I have not come, they have what? But after they have known the truth, there is no more. They can do anything anymore at all. So he tells us in John 3, 19. Yes? John 3, 19. Mm -hmm. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. That's a condemnation. Light had come, they rejected, they turned away from the light, the truth. Now, if someone knows the truth and then turns back, turns away from it, what has, what has he done? Is there any way you can change what I said a little bit and add a word? If I know the truth, then for me to turn away from it, I have chosen to turn away from it. People, listen to me. Remember that ignorance and innocence, God will not punish. If I know the truth, I know, and the thing has come unto me, that a miracle remember, you should not steal or commit adultery. And then I go and do, that means I'm what? I have chosen to. I've assumed the risk. I'm, I'm the one choosing to. I'm going to go do it. Whatever happens, let it happen. In that one, then the person has reproached God and despised him. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The person has reproached God and despised him. And that sin, from what we see in the Bible, said God will not forgive. I wish it is different, but that's what the Bible said. We don't want even to go through all of them right now, but if you look at it from this point of view, you see exactly where God has told us that if anyone, even, let's start this way. Numbers, please. 14. Numbers 14. 19 to 24. 19 to 24. Yes. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live. All the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers. We can, read, we can read it. God bless you. In other words, God is saying, as far as it's concerned, these people they know, knew the truth, Right? And they have seen the truth from God. And yet, they did what they did. They will not listen to him. There is no way. Don't even talk about it. I will not forgive. That's why also he told us. Read me Numbers 15, please. 30 to 31. Numbers 15, 30 to 31. Yes. But the person who does anything presumptuously, whether he is native born or a stranger, that one brings reproach on the Lord, mm -hmm. and he shall be cut off from among his people, because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment. That person shall be completely cut off. His guilt shall be upon him. Whoever chooses to sin presumptuously, that person has reproached the Lord and despised him. He's, that's it. It was no more. That's why he told us, Anyone who ignores chastisement, correction, and warning, numerous ones from the Lord. Because God, sometimes, I'm telling you, he takes, he's so patient. He said, he will be cut off and destroyed without remedy. Read me Proverbs 29.1, please. Proverbs 29.1. Yes. He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. He will suddenly be destroyed. And that without remedy. And the issue is this. The biggest problem we have is that some people, maybe they are now in this situation, but they don't know. That is the scary part of it. They still go and carry crowd everywhere and so on. But God has told you. He will destroy without remedy. And they think, oh, you know, I'm still as long as I'm alive. Or I'm doing well. No, no, no. That one has gone off already. So that's why God told us, you see, no wonder then he told us that there remains no more sacrifice at all. I'm just bringing some of this in, not, not so many scriptures, but just bring, he tells us 
Who can argue with that? Who's going to argue with God and say, you are wrong. Don't tell us that. Whatever I do, you can forgive me. No, he's God. And I told us, this is what I'm going to do. Read, please, Hebrews 6, 46. Hebrews 6, 46. Yes. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, Mm -hmm. if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. To renew them again. Let me tell you one thing. One, one force away from the undiluted truth of Christ. That's God. I want everybody to understand that right now. I wish that God will forgive. But he tells you, I will not. But I have witnessed, and you guys have witnessed, if anyone turns away from this truth, it's almost impossible to come back to his computer. I'm telling you. Well, there are people that come here, and they left, and you think maybe they will come. They may not. If they come, it will never be the same. Maybe one day, the next day, go again. Because why did you leave that when the fire dies down? The Spirit of God has gone. And to bring that back again is difficult because the person has already been exposed to the undiluted truth of Christ. That amounts to rejecting the truth. If you reject the truth, you have rejected Christ. Because you cannot run away from that. And that's why he told us that my heart... Read me Hebrews 10. 26 to 29. Hebrews 10, 26 to 29. Yes. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? But then he told us how much the punishment the person will get. Didn't he tell us? Yes. Where? Okay, sorry. God bless you. Read the same 10. Read only 38. Hebrews 10.38. Yes. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, back my soul has no pleasure pleasure in him. him. It's scary. If anyone draws back. The same thing he told us in Luke 9.62. He said, if anyone comes to me, whoever comes to me and puts his hand on the plow and looks back, is not even worthy for the kingdom. It's scary. But there's another part that is scary, and I'm, I'm trying to tell you right now, don't, don't do that, because unless God tells you to do it. Okay? Unless God tells you to do it. For sins that are this nature, that like God said, I will not, the judgment already come. He requires, he, in fact, he commands his servants, say, don't you ever pray for such people. But he didn't say he will punish the servant if he prays. That's why I said, we keep praying. We don't know what God is going to do. But God told us, you can pray, but you're wasting your time. It's, it's very scary. You can pray, but you're wasting your time. And the last time I think it was school, my who brought this up. And it's, it's there. It's scary. Read me Jeremiah, please. 7. 9 to 11. Jeremiah 7, 9 to 11. Yes. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house which is called by my name? I wish the the few good preachers and prosperity preachers and all those people who, some of them say are motivational, right? Because what I've been saying is, I don't know how you can motivate a dead man. If I'm in sin, I'm dead, and you can't motivate me. You have to ask me to repent if you want me to leave. He says, are you going to commit all these things that I see every day and you come before me? Go on, yes. And say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. 
Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. I have seen it, says the Lord. I have seen it. Go on. But go now to my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these works, says the Lord, and I spoke to you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear. And I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house, which is called by my name, in which you trust, and to this place which I gave to you and your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight, as I have cast out all your brethren, the whole posterity of Ephraim. Now, therefore... Do not pray for this people. Do not. It's a supply that, yes? Nor lift up a cry or prayer for them. Nor make intercession to me, for I will, I will not, not hear you. Hear. Let me Jeremiah eleven fourteen. You know what God is saying is over. Turn to what I mean. Jeremiah eleven fourteen. So do not pray for this people, or lift up a cry or prayer for them, for I will not hear them. In the time that they cry out to me because of their trouble. I will not hear them. But then this is the Old Testament. But the same thing, don't pray for them. Before, the scripture we started with, that's saying that some sins are unto death. You know, it started with the same thing. Don't pray for those sins that are unto death. Okay? Read me First John 5.16. 1 John 5.16 mm -hmm. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask. He will ask. And he will give him life. If you can repent for such sins, I will give him life. Yes. For those who commit sins not leading to death. Yes. There is sin leading to, to death. death. I, I do not say death. that he should pray about that. You see, the word of God can never change from Old Testament to New Testament. The same thing. I do not, don't pray about that because you'll be wasting all your time. Are we, are we all together here? The, the, the third one, because this has come to, I thought we were going to finish quickly by now, but not. The third one is what? Those are the three things. But if you look at every other thing that God said we should not do, these three things, they cover them. The third one is that causing offenses that cause people to perish. And that's very broad. That's very broad. Everyone preaching the gospel, pastor, or whatever they call it, anyone, should really panic. Think about this. Anything that we do that causes a human soul to perish, God will never, never forgive. And that is very important because that's the ultimate will. When actually we cause offense that causes one to perish, then that's a direct assault against the ultimate will of God. That's the biggest thing, the worst thing that anybody can do. Because if you cause my child to be lost, it's very difficult. I will not tolerate that. That's why I sent my only begotten son to come and die. So whoever causes anybody to perish, have really come totally against me. Are we, are we all together here? Matthew 18, please. Can you read 6 to 11? Matthew 18, 6 to 11. Yes. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses. Mm -hmm. But offenses must come. But woe to that man by whom the offense comes. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, Pluck it out and cast it from you. Mm -hmm. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. 
Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Who are these little ones? Little children? Peter, feed my what? The congregation. They are poor. Who are hungry? Anyone that hungry to see the Lord or find the right way is a baby before God, a little one. That's why I said, except you are converted as a little one, you can never enter into the kingdom of God if anyone causes offense. But let me ask you, how what are different things you can say this person has caused offense? One thing, yeah, yeah, let's see. Big time manipulation. But the, the, let's, let's start from the, 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 the big ones. Let's start from the big ones. Manipulation is, uh, is there. You see, first thing, that's uh, the big one. The big one is taking abusing the vulnerable children of God. What is happening in many churches with priests, pastor, or whatever it is, when actually say God has put you in a position and then on that color of that authority of that position, you use it to discourage, to abuse God's children that are come there. They are vulnerable. Somebody's coming, looking for God. He's looking at you as the one actually God has presented there that can at least need him. And then you take advantage of him or her in many different ways. Especially when you talk about all these abuses of little kids, little girls and boys in any way. God will never forgive. I wonder what it, because you have destroyed a soul. You have caused a soul to perish. Are we, are we, we, do we have that? That's exactly what happened to the family of Eli, right? We, okay. So that's why he punished Eli. said there's no way. No sacrifice, no offering. Don't even bring it because it will not do any good. Manipulation. But then even before manipulation, let's look into this. Anyone who presents a false doctrine has caused somebody to perish. Are we all together here? Why do you think the Bible said in Revelations 22, 18 and 19, and said, if anyone takes away or asks to this very word of God, then the name will be scratched off. Remember, let him stay on this age for 100 years before he dies. That's his own problem. But his name is already out of what? The book of life. See God when what God was talking to his apostles. I mean, Christ was talking to his apostles in Luke 10, 20. He said, look, Nevertheless, do not rejoice because the devil is subject to you. Only you rejoice because your name is written in the kingdom. If somebody's name is taken out because you are manipulating, because you are changing the word of God, because you are using this to make people give you money or fall to you or follow you, you're creating your own followers. God said that will never. That this thing will not happen because that is also included where? where? It includes manipulation, deception, in all those things. All these feel-good preachers. Well, unless you don't know what that's why I'm going to ask you the next question. Feel-good preachers, prosperity preachers, they're doing it. Many of them doing it, they're knowingly doing it because of what they get. Are we all together? Motivation, whatever it is, it's just to get people charitable. Is that what he has called us? What he has called us that go and get people to turn away from their wicked ways and return back to me. That's so that nobody, you and nobody, should perish. That is the ultimate will of God. Whatever runs contrary to that, God will not forgive. And that he has told us that clearly already. So having said that, so all this now, when somebody is actually they are getting people to buy a false doctrine contrary to Christ. Then that individual had caused offense. And it's not true. Yeah. If I'm teaching you and telling you, oh, no, 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 don't worry about it. Holy Ghost, fire, die, this and that. Drop dead and die, everything, this and that. Am I not speaking contrary to Christ? So, 
I'm causing offense. But let me ask you this. What constitutes offense then? Let's make sure so nobody says, oh, it doesn't mean anything I do is offense. What constitutes offense? No, 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 sorry, maybe my question is wrong. What are the elements of offense? What are the elements? This thing amounts to offense. What are the elements? If we're talking about the word of God, yes. For something to be offense, it must be intentional. Okay? Knowingly, willingly, or with reckless disregard. So when people know, and they, unless they never knew before, they are ignorant. That's the difference. Then let them just today withdraw from it and stop. But once they know it and they do it, they cannot claim anymore. That's when it constitutes offense because they're doing it intentionally. Heavenly Father, we give you glory. We thank you, Lord. We don't know how to thank you, even this very moment and this very time when we're talking about our Lord and Savior. We're not talking, but in our heart, Lord, it is there. Lord, you have come to teach us that the only thing, Lord, mighty God, requires of us. These are the commandments of two, two parts. Number one, be totally transformed into my image. Follow me. Be righteous. Be holy. But transformation cannot be partial. You must also fulfill my commission, my mandate. That's what I said. That's how. When somebody does that, then he is chosen by you. Lord, help us that we may fulfill everything that you have asked us to do. Let your work be the food we have to do, Lord. Oh, Lord, I pray you that your spirit will go and minister to your children all over, those listening to this and those who may listen to it later. Make things clear. Let them understand that this is the mystery of the kingdom of God. And that's what you have written and it is written forever. You are God. We thank you. We give you honor. I thank you for your children who are here and those who are listening. Thank you, Lord, for teaching them along, all of us, that we may understand what your will is and how to fulfill that will, that we may be one with you, that the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ will not be in vain, that we could represent you. Help us, Lord. Sustain us. Establish us. Lead us every second. Let your spirit lead us to that part that is righteous and holy blameless in all things. And give us the boldness, mighty Father, to confess you and to witness you anywhere, any place. And also, Father, to urge people to come to you. The reason why you have brought us to us, to, to you, is for us to know you and to make you known. Take all glory. Blessed be your holy name forever. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message from Today Evangelical Ministries. We would love to receive your feedback and stay connected with you. So send us your comments or questions through our website on our Contact Us page or by sending an email to info at tmonline.org. Our web address is tmonline.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook or Twitter. God bless you.